Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. DNA is an interesting case study. In fact, there is a case study out of Calgary where the story goes. An individual who was found dead, I guess, in a homeless encampment a couple of years ago. He'd been dead for about uh, five or six weeks, I think they said. If I've got that right, human remains. Uh, Nobody knew who it was. And uh, it was by DNA analysis uh, through the National Missing Persons DNA program that they actually found out who the individual was and affected closure for their family. Let's get to that one because I'm kind of uh, intrigued as to how this might all play out in cases going forward. Kathy Murphy is the manager of this program, the RCMP's National Missing Persons DNA program, and she's joined us on the line here on The Oakley Show. Ms. Murphy, good to have you on board. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Now, uh, this case that I'm citing from Calgary uh, is the first such case that was sent for analysis and uh, came back a positive identification of a person who had been missing. Is that correct? It's the first identification that the National Missing Persons DNA program has had, yes. I see. Walk us through, then, how this would have worked. I mean, uh, are these missing persons only that we're trying to identify here? Uh, well, any unidentified remains that might be found can be, uh, we can assist with that, as well as the uh, identification of people that have gone missing, yes. All right. Uh, in the instance of the Calgary individual, who is the first such case that uh, you found a positive ID on, tell me how that all worked, please. Well, uh, the way that the program works is that when someone has a loved one that goes missing, they report them missing and hopefully provide a uh, one of their personal effects, like a toothbrush or a hairbrush or uh, many, you know, a personal item that they only only they have used, and they submit that to for analysis to see whether or not there's a DNA typing profile on it. As well, uh, the family members can provide their. Uh, biological samples to help uh, to, for a DNA profile to be developed from for each of them. And then those are all uh, entered into the National DNA Data Bank, as well as the uh, samples from the human remains that are found. Those profiles can also be entered into the National DNA Data Bank. And these profiles are compared to one another. Uh, the relatives are only compared to the missing persons or the human remains. But uh, the human remains profiles can be compared to all the profiles in the National DNA Data Bank. And when a hit is obtained, it uh, is examined closer. And if everything lines up, then it's reported and to assist the medical examiner and coroner in identifying the person. So uh, people then voluntarily submit their DNA to this data bank? Yes, uh, 
a fam the family of the person that's reported missing, they can volunteer their biological samples and they need to sign a consent form uh, so that they're aware of how their DNA profile might be used. As well, they can provide us with uh, items that their loved one might have uh, handled or used and we can develop a DNA typing profile from from that as well. All right. And can the people be confident that the DNA will only be used in the instance of trying to find a match for a missing relative or a loved one? Yes, that's what the uh, DNA Identification Act lays out, is that uh, it specifies that there are uh, limited limitations to how uh, a family member's profile can be used. The, and uh, those restrictions are outlined in the consent that the family member would sign, and that is the only purpose for which those profiles will be used. Kathy, how many uh, DNA samples do you currently have in the bank? Well, in the entire National DNA Data Bank, there's almost half a million, or excuse me, yeah, almost half a million. But in the, na in the National Missing Persons DNA Program, for uh, profiles for human remains, missing persons, and family members of missing persons, there's 578 so far. Well, it's early. However, it's, it's early, and the more samples that we get in, the more hits that we're more likely to obtain, and that's the main thing is to encourage people to have their profiles entered into the National DNA Data Bank when, when their loved one goes missing. Right. If their loved one's missing, I guess it stands to reason they'd want to commit to the project uh, rather than just doing it voluntarily for no good reason in that the event somewhere uh, should something ensue that they need to be identified. But I think people might exercise caution before they remit that kind of information. I mean, we're talking about uh, biological information here. Uh, how, by the way, did we come up with 500,000 DNA profiles uh, in the National Data Bank? Well... The, when the National DNA Data Bank was created in 2000, it was primarily for law enforcement purposes. And uh, so the two uh, types of samples that were in there from since 2000 are samples of from convicted from individuals that have been convicted of designated offenses, as well as uh, uh, DNA profiles from crime scenes and. The, the numbers for those uh, indexes or the, that portion of the data bank, the numbers are extremely large. Right, which can lead to uh, a lot of precision in expediting these uh, criminal investigations. We understand that. And so with this individual who was identified, I mean, uh, tell me, did it affect closure for the family if he had a family? I can't speak to the specific case. Um, that would, uh, I don't have the details as far as that goes, but uh, so you'll have to contact someone else for that information. Um, I did want to reiterate, though, that uh, it's not the um, biological samples from individuals are only collected um, when uh, they've they volunteer their sample with their cons uh, signed consent mm -hmm. for a missing person investigation. And uh, other than that, uh, the samples would be collected usually with a warrant uh, from a uh, convicted offender or something. But no, people don't 
just uh, provide their biological samples for just an investigation, just for the purposes of having them in the data bank. We don't accept them except for in specific investigations. Understood. So uh, let's say when there is a missing persons investigation or something like that, uh, I mean, how would we know uh, to try to maybe put this together with a family member? This seems to me like a program that would need to be well publicized so that folks would know, hey, we haven't heard from a loved one for, uh, you know, a year, two years out or whatever. Perhaps we'd like to find out if it's in their data bank. Would they contact you or uh, how would they go about that? Well, they would have to contact the police agency. They have to report their family member missing to start with and and contact their local police to uh, inform them of that to begin the investigation. Um, well, no, no, that makes perfect sense so that the police would be in the loop and then they would say, all right, uh, we can connect into this data bank and see if we uh, find a match. All right, uh, fair enough. I'm glad it worked out to, uh, I guess, the benefit of the family who were Curious about uh, their missing loved one in the case that we cited as the initial uh, positive ID through the National Missing Persons DNA program. The manager of the program, Kathy Murphy, on the line with us this afternoon. I appreciate your time very much. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks. You got it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 